Hi, and welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast. This is a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. Okay, I'm your host, Victoria, and this is the podcast episode 334. And that's a lot. It's a lot of episodes. <laughs> I'm very pleased to be joined by my group members, Nyla and Andrew, and welcome to our podcast. Okay, so the group case study that we were given was on William Carlos Williams. Who is he? We're going to find out today. Okay. So essentially, his poem, The Icebox, is one of his best known and most often anthologized poems. I'm going to read it to you right now. I have eaten the plums that were in the icebox and which you are probably saving for breakfast. Forgive me, they were delicious, so sweet and so cold. The question that we got on this poem from our lovely professor was, what if any difference should it make if someone discovered that Williams had not written this as a poem, that he never intended it for publication, and that in fact, it was just a note he had left on the door of a friend's refrigerator after eating all the plums. So guys, what do you think about that? I think we need some background information first on William Carlos Williams so we can like further get into it mm -hmm. and maybe talking about like what exactly a poem is and our own analysis of what it is we're looking at. Okay. Okay. Nyla, do you have any words? Yes. So I would like to start with um, some of the background information. Mm -hmm. um, so basic information, he was a novelist, a poet, and a practicing doctor, pediatrician to be exact. Um, he would spend his free time writing and alongside Ezra Pound, um, he focused on writing American themed poems. He was born September 17th, 1883, March and died March 4th, 1963, at the age of 79. He was born in Rutherford, New Jersey, and died there as well. And he attended the University of Pennsylvania, and he was married to Florence Herman. So according to biography.yourdictionary.com, that's where the information is from. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I can't imagine just being a doctor and being able to produce the amount of writing that he did. I feel like that's pretty impressive. I also heard that in between seeing patients, he would take the time to take his typewriter out and write and, you know, produce some poetry while he was working, which I feel like that's a very hard thing to be able to do. No, of course. Yeah. I feel like that definitely does take into question the fact that he was you know uh, a common american and he did still reach for those ideals in his poetry and um we're gonna go into his schools of thought but you know he clearly did have a very big impulse and impact for art okay cool. so do you for guys sure. want to go into the school of thought for sure. So one of the schools of thought that he was a part of was Objectivists, which is a 20th century movement in poetry growing out of imagism and putting stress on form. 
That's something that's very prevalent within his writing. Yeah. Okay. And something that I actually found was he was a large modernist and essentially modernism replied to the, the technological advents of the early 20th century. So there would be advents like the airplane, the automobile, and it just kept growing from there. So their lives would become easier, but also more difficult because they would see so much change and so many historical moments where we're just so new to them. And it was a really unheard of time. So it was definitely them taking that artistic feeling from the, the movement going on at the time, taking that into philosophical practice and also turning that into new forms of expression and being better poets and better artists. Yeah, I agree. And to specify even more, uh, the writing that he was more into or how he wrote was not such a direct approach in his writing. So he was more of a, like, I would say free verse style um, from at least that poem that we're, we're analyzing the icebox. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and something that I also found is that within his actual poems, he was a um, show don't tell kind of writer. So if that doesn't make a whole ton of sense to you, maybe we could read another one of his works to go into that. Oh, isn't that a quote of his uh, show don't tell? Yeah, it was. But that was also like the approach that he took to his writing. So essentially with the poem, The Icebox, it was breaking down into I have eaten the plums that were in the icebox so each each kind of stanza that he used was a different I guess statement um for our us the readers to interpret his own artwork yeah guys what do you think about that that's a lot (laughs) yeah it is yeah it's crazy I also think it's um it's all about perspective when it comes to interpreting a poem like this. Um, just because I don't think it would make a difference if it it wasn't intended for like publication or if it was, you know. I feel like with his style of writing, whether it was intended to be put out or not, he wrote it in the sense that he understood and how he wanted everyone else to understand it. Yes. That way. All right, yeah, guys. I so. Okay, so guys, so when it comes to seeing if this is even a poem or not i feel like we should try to classify it so like how like how do would we classify a poem okay honestly i'm not a huge poetry (laughs) um (laughs) like i'm not an expert on poetry and i don't read enough but um i feel like the way that his poetry is definitely structured makes it up to interpretation and it definitely changes our perspective on on the work itself, like Nyla just said. So, Andrew, do you want to go into different kinds of structure poetry? For sure. So, first, I'm going to see, like, how we classify a poem. Mm-hmm. So, one of the definitions that I saw online was that uh, a poem is a piece of writing that uses imaginative words to share ideas, emotions, or a story with the reader. And I think with the icebox, they're de- he's definitely telling some kind of story course yeah so we should dive into more detail like what are the different types of poems yeah. so there are nonsense poems where you know there are made up words characters or places and are usually meant to be kind of funny like dr seuss <laughs> yes like dr seuss yeah. <laughs> exactly 
exactly like Dr. Seuss. Like he made up a bunch of words, some that I can't even like yeah. imagine how he even did that. Like he was truly ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. And then you have something like found poems, which is which is you which are words you found somewhere. For example, you would find random words in dictionaries, magazines, newspapers, like any random word you can find anywhere, and they would try to make poems out of it. Yeah. There are also acrostic poems, and those poems were spelled out vertically in the middle or all the way to the right side. So kind of like a synonym. So kind of like the first letter of each like line would spell out something at the end. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I feel like those are also very good means of um, kind of finding um, exploration to the nature of words. And I feel like William Carlos Williams did that very, very well and very precisely Um, into my own reading. I felt like he was very American in the sense that he wanted to show the kind of dialect Americans were using instead of kind kind of trying to um in a sense mold his own work to the way that Europeans were speaking because that was where the a lot of advent and a lot of curious kind of artistic nature of poetry was that was in Europe but he yeah. was a true American by trying to show what he was facing and he was he was a yeah, he, he was really, a typical guy too. He was a typical guy who was a doctor. Well, I wouldn't mm-hmm. really describe typical to describe him. Yeah. To be honest <laughs> with you, he was a doctor. Doctors. And uh, well, honestly, he wasn't a very well-established poet within his life. He really yeah. he sold like, what, like 35, 36 copies 36. of his books yeah. when he was alive. Like that really didn't, you know, affect him. He got most yeah. of his recognitions came after he died. After, and which is honestly pretty sad and, that, and that's the case for most artists exactly and I also feel like it's really interesting because he was actually friends um with the pretty well-renowned poem poet um called Ezra Pound and he was essentially actually friends with Brancusi <laughs> someone that we wow. delved into a lot in our class <laughs> yeah Brancusi and from what I've understood that uh, mm-hmm. didn't Brancusi really affect Ezra and didn't Ezra have some influence on Williams, uh, yeah, William like, Carlos Williams. Yeah, yeah, they so. were good friends. And if anything, I read somewhere online too. I think um, that they were good friends, and they mostly like admired each other. And they inspired each other. So I mm-hmm. can also say that maybe their writing was probably set off of one another. Yeah, yeah. on one another exactly. That's cool and- to see that an artist in Europe had such an influence on someone in America. And in his writing. And it's pretty cool to see just Rancuzzi's reach in general. Like, you yeah, know, for- got to see a lot of him in class. And it's really cool to see how even right now in our podcast, how he's still having an effect on some of these people's lives. Yeah. And in, in the sense of William Carlos Williams' own poets, I mean, poems, he essentially painted a picture through his own poetry and the way that he he structured them and his choice of words, which is called diction and literature. Okay, so would you want to read his poem again and then look through our own interpretations of it? Yes. For sure. For sure. Okay, who wants to read it? Oh, uh, you know what? I'll read it. Yeah. So I'll start right now. I have yeah. eaten the plums that were in the icebox. 
and which you were probably saving for breakfast. Forgive me. They were delicious, so sweet, and so cold. So I've actually read this several times. Mm -hmm. And my original analysis of the poem was that it was very literal with no real hidden meaning or layers to the poem. But after reading it, you know, two to three more times, I've interpreted it in a new light. Okay. So that's really interesting. Yeah. When I first looked at it, I just thought, oh, he's just basically, it kind of looks like he was just leaving a note, like how the person kind of indicated. But then after analyzing it, you kind of see him like, it's like so sweet yet so cold. And when I keep on thinking about it, it's like so sweet, like it felt so good and cold, like it, like it was bad. Like he was doing something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Um, Like a, like a forbidden fruit. Yeah. That's exactly the way that I thought about it. I was thinking, okay, I don't think this man is speaking about it very literally. He was eating the plums that were that someone else saved and he relished them himself. He knew that someone else was saving them. And even though he knew that, he still savored the taste of it. And I kind of thought of it as like a, a hidden romantic interest or like a, an affair or something to kind of bring the drama to his own work and his own life. I um, I feel like from our readings, at least, he stuck with his wife for a very long time. I'm not saying that he, there was like cheat, a, a, but I feel like cheat, but some. I feel like maybe the, there was some kind of temptation. Yes, and and you know what I would like to okay. add because when he said you were probably saving for breakfast and forgive me it kind yeah. of seems as if it's like he knew it was wrong of him to do he it, did it but he but did he it didn't, but he doesn't even seem sorry for it he was admiring how good it was but how cold they were as well and you yeah. he really yeah. doesn't say sorry he's like forgive me for what mm-hmm. i've done but he's not he's asking for forgiveness and not pleading that he's actually sorry for what he's done yeah okay so actually, um, if you guys want to go into another one of his poems, it's called The Red Wheelbarrow. I'm looking for it right now. And that's a poem that's essentially very, I, I feel like it's one of his most well-known. And it's another poem that very much brings out the fact that we have to think about the structure of the poem and the perspective that we have when we read it. So I think this is the first time you guys are actually going to listen to it. So I'll read it right now. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater besides the white chicken. Okay. It's pretty short, but do you guys have like anything that you could think about? Because we just read his last poem and that was like, it was pretty good. Again, after my first reading of it, I really think it's very literal. Mm-hmm. I don't see really any hidden hidden meanings yet. Maybe you can enlighten me. Maybe something you see that I don't. Yeah. Okay. So I actually re- uh, listened to a podcast about William Carlos Williams a bit, kind of like what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And essentially, the the person who was reading about it was saying that it, one of them interpreted it like so much depends upon that red wheelbarrow it's Mm -hmm. there's a sense of loneliness and there's a sense of the fact that that one kind of little wheelbarrow it's like a little like a little thing to run around or dig dirt in or you know yeah it's to carry things yeah to carry personally i've used it and it's 
it, it makes your life a lot easier, but it's not it's that small. easy to do. It's it's hard exactly. to do. And it's I really don't see the I really don't see the the correlation between the wheelbarrow and the chickens. Maybe yeah. other than the red beaks and the red wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I agree too. I think the first time that I read that, I was like very confused as well. But then I thought about it and you think about the picture that he paints, like the fact that he was an artist in that sense, that maybe he he was a doctor and and he saw and he treated people all his life, but essentially he did want to paint pictures and and question, make us, you know, converse about this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe maybe we can find deeper meaning in the color red as well. Like red is a mm-hmm. red the color red has a lot of different implications. Well Yeah. Yeah, through like our love, hate, yes. anger. Passion. There are a lot of exactly passion. there are yeah. a lot of words that you can that are here. Yeah. So maybe it's a passion that he has for the red wheelbarrow, or maybe that's what he uses to take his life upon. I I I don't know. Maybe it's he just... is a red wheelbarrow. Maybe we are. <laughs> yeah, he's carrying all that weight. Think about it. <laughs> yeah. He is. Maybe the, the weight now. of life. Exactly. And like just yeah. and just uh and just uh just the passage of it. Wow. I feel like I personally I feel like maybe he meant for people. I don't know. Since it was free verse, it's like he okay. wrote what he wanted, right? But maybe he mm-hmm. meant for people, or he wanted people to understand it in one way. But maybe that's not. Mm-hmm. the way he wanted it to be interpreted and I guess it's just like it gives it just shines light that like when you're an artist mm-hmm. it's all about interpretation whether he interprets it one way it might be different from how the reader you know analyzes it and you know yeah. I guess it's not really it's not really a right or wrong answer you know yeah I agree and to also think about it it's like who was he really writing this for going yeah. back to our case study question it's like was he really publishing this for other people to see it was he writing it for himself in the nature of his office just because of the love and the the impulse he had for this art mm-hmm. but it was also the I, fact that i definitely okay. get an impulse for art simply yeah. because he already had a well-paying job he was yes. a well-established doctor he he had what most people seek in life which is stability yeah money yes. and a wife and I don't know if he had children or a family. Yeah, I, I believe he had children. Yeah, he had what most men in, in that time wanted. They had a, a nice yes. family, a nice job, his wife taking care of his children, taking care of, yeah. and he still had this impulse, a desire in his heart, of something just to get off his mm-hmm. chest. And he would write, and he would publish it. And he didn't publish anything, I believe, until around nineteen thirteen. Yeah. And it just shows, and it just goes to show you that. He wasn't really publishing for for anyone. For anyone. He was really publishing for himself for and him. for his own impulses. Yeah, I, and believe... I believe that. I feel. I think okay. that goes to show that it's not really. It's not really about for other people. It's really about himself. Like, what good yeah. does telling a story about a plum, mm-hmm. and how or he an icebox, yeah, or, yeah, or, or ate someone's plums <laughs> that they were gonna have for breakfast? Like, yeah. that really doesn't do much for anyone but himself. It may be the the person right. he intended this for the. The person's plums that he ate. I mean, the fact that you just said that maybe he didn't intend it for anyone else, but he actually um, received a Pulitzer Prize, I believe. I'm looking into it right now. He received the Pulitzer Prize, and 
the National Institute of Arts and Letters Gold Medal for Poetry posthumously in 1963. So think about that. I believe he, I think you said he died in the year 1963. That was the final time that he really got the recognition that he deserves. And when, when was it though? Because he died in early he 1963. He died on March 4th, yeah. 1963. Yeah. So, did, he get these, did he get this accolade before or after he died? Right. I, I believe right after. Think about it. Like he just died and then he got all that recognition. He sold only wow. so many copies. Yeah. And, 36 copies. Like, is he a true American? Is he a true artist? I don't know. I think he's all of the above. I think he is all of the above. I believe that he worked and he did what he loved. And that's what America is about. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I believe America is truly about letting people like live their dreams out, you know? And he did. He was able to live as a writer and as a doctor. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, he was recognized for what he was able to do. And I feel like that's what most yeah. people look for. Okay. Honestly, I feel like today's episode has been awesome. Don't you think? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I believe so. I, I feel like I this found was... so much insight. Yeah. What? Well, we should do another one of these again. Okay. For so, sure. But you guys want to say anything else? Yes. So something that while doing my research that I found was actually pretty interesting was how his work of art is a meme. It's yeah. It's a meme? Because, oh, yeah. Uh, it was a Twitter meme. It's a Twitter meme. And it's like, for real? I, yeah, that's crazy. That it's was crazy how so even funny. now, it's crazy how even now, like, you know, People he died in 1963. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think like, I, what, that's like 59 yeah. years old. Like that's, I think it's around 59 years old. It's amazing how art yeah. somehow still having influence today. Has a poet, influence. Exactly. a poet who's yeah, a poet who sold thirty six copies in his lifespan. Sixty three years later, is still yeah. having an impact on us. That's amazing. Or no, fifty nine years so later. So <laughs> I don't think I the technical like... thing of it matters. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's crazy. You know, you know that you know the song from Carly Rae Jepsen. Hey, I just I met can't you. Hear yeah but she wrote that and like hey i just met you this is crazy the plums in the box the ice box i just ate them she just ate them wow like well i think maybe i don't know about what he would have thought about his legacy but i think that twitter meme was pretty good and that poem is (laughs) it's pretty funny if you think about it too no yeah for sure i would love to get into more of his poems just to analyze it more and try to understand Mm -hmm. what Maybe there was, I don't know, some message behind it. I don't know. But I would just love to get to know his his poetry more. I think that would. Um, and I hope the people watching this are going to want to read more of William Carlos Williams. Yeah, he's truly yeah. a remarkable man. To be a doctor and produce work. Like, think about how many years of med school there was. Seven years. Yeah. And he's still yeah. producing art and still having a passion for two things. Saving people's lives saving children's lives specifically and writing yeah of course it's truly remarkable mm-hmm. okay so any last words no, i think that was it for me yeah, i think that covers it all yeah okay so i just want to thank you guys for joining us today okay so nyla and andrew and myself victoria thank you our group 334 it's been a pretty good podcast i hope everyone listening to it 
listens to more of William Carlos Williams and his own poetry. And I appreciate it. This concludes our Exploring Art podcast. A final message, okay? Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get them. And thank you for listening. Thank you for joining and remember to stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious, okay? Bye. Explore art. Bye, guys.